Good morning, everybody. How are you guys doing today? Doing good? Does everyone have all their Christmas shopping done and ready for next week? You know, Christmas is only like a week away. That's crazy, right? Uh, if you don't know me, I am uh, Stephen. I am our student ministries pastor here at New Song. Um, here at New Song, uh, if you don't know, we're here to be transformed by the Holy Spirit, to follow Jesus, love people, and do good. Amen, Amen right? And that's what we're about here. Everything from the, the summertime to the Christmas season, it's all following this goal to be transformed. And I'm really excited for this Christmas season. Um, it's my first Christmas season with you all. And it's very exciting, right? Yeah. It's very fun to see everything that goes on. We had an amazing day yesterday, which Melody will talk about more with the Christmas pantry. Yeah. We had a lot of people there. Um, and uh, we do a lot of things around here. And some of that really, or all of it, requires a lot of your guys' time, a lot of your effort, a lot of community support. And so there's some ways that you guys can do that through giving. Um, there's envelopes right in the back of the seats for giving. There's also ones for connecting and prayer. And um, if you want to be a part of what we're doing here and be a part of how, how God's moving in this place, uh, I'd really encourage you guys to consider giving in that way financially. Um, we got some cool things coming up. If you notice outside, there is a winter camp fundraiser going on. And winter camp is literally like two months away, and we need a lot of funding to help get all the students there. So if, um, if you're a little peckish, if you want a, uh, a sweet treat, got a sweet tooth, we got a lot of really nice home-baked sweet goods out there. I baked some brownies out there, so please try them. Tell me what you think. Um, we also have winter camp coming up, so if you are a parent of a junior high, middle school, or high schooler, Please sign up. There's these flyers around outside in the info booth as well as at the fundraising table. And they have a QR code so that you can register because honestly, we only have 20 spots that we, that we can fill. And once those spots are gone for camp, they're gone. We can't get any more. So about half of them are filled already. So if you have not yet signed up, you're a middle schooler or high schooler, please sign them up today. It's going to be an amazing weekend. It's going to be a weekend where there's not even just two days like a normal winter camp. But because President's Day weekend, there's going to be three days of us all together. And so it's going to be even more fun. Maybe we'll get snow. It's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, it's a really powerful time for them to be able to connect with the Lord, connect with each other. And it kind of grows a community closer to one another, especially among the youth. So uh, please give, parents, please register your young people, and it's going to be awesome. Uh, we have another event going on this week for the students, middle school and high schoolers, and it is the uh, Great Christmas Light Scavenger Hunt. Now, I will say, the plan right now is that on Wednesday, we show up we get in some cars and we drive down to some really cool lights in Brea and do a scavenger hunt around the lights. Yet, there might be a backup plan. So parents, take note, because it might rain on Wednesday. And every time I look at it, it says 70%, 80%, 90%, and 50 degrees. So that doesn't sound like the best for a bunch of kids running around right before Christmas. So, parents, please look at your emails, because I will be sending out an email tomorrow, Monday, with a final decision. If it says it's going to rain, we're going to do a Christmas party here instead. 
uh, with like a white elephant gift exchange and a bunch of fun games. So parents, please keep that in mind. And if you know a middle school or high schooler, tell them that we're gonna have some fun stuff this Wednesday, 6.30, um, and you wanna be there. Sounds good? Also, lastly, we have our Christmas Eve gatherings one week from today. And that's going to be, we're going to do a morning service uh, or a morning gathering at uh, 10 a.m. with a 9.30 uh, courtyard gathering. And then in the evening, we're going to have a candlelight gathering at 7 p.m. So make sure you guys are there. We're going to have some of the awesome singers. You guys like the, the, the young teens singing up here? Yeah, well, they're going to be here next week. And it's going to be awesome. And we're going to have some of the kids singing and everything. So you're going to want to be here next week for those, those awesome things going on. Shall I pray for us? All right. Dear Lord, thank you for today. Lord, thank you for the ways that you're moving in this community. Lord, I thank you for the, the amazing things coming up for um, the students and for our church and for this Christmas season. Lord, I pray that whatever we come in here with, whatever feelings the Christmas season might have brought on us, I pray that you would uh, be with us in these moments. I pray for those who, who grieve during these seasons, you would comfort them. I pray for those who, um, who are struggling through a season, that you'd bring them the light of joy that you are. We love you, Lord. I pray you'd be with Grant this morning as he speaks, and that you would speak to us all. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. That's a good way to start, isn't it? Who's seen that before, that particular episode? Yeah, re-gifting, right? Um, who's heard of the concept of re-gifting? Who has not heard the concept of re-gifting? Okay, it is like fully in our community. Everyone knows what that is, we think. So the next thing is that everyone close their eyes. Hands up who has re-gifted something this year already. Okay. You know why I have your eyes closed, why eyes are closed? Because it's a bit controversial, perhaps, right? It can be. Um, maybe sometimes it can be a good thing, though. You know, re-gifting can be okay because, you know, for example, I know sometimes I've known folks who, who've purchased something and they don't want to return it and they don't suit it, a piece of clothing, perhaps, and they're like, they think of a friend that would really suit them, so they say, hey, I got this or it was given to me, but... You know, I think you'd suit it better. Um, but there's definitely kind of a dark side to regifting as the Seinfeld episode. That, the, the term regifting actually came before Seinfeld, but that's what made it popular, this whole idea. There's a lot of theology in Seinfeld. Did you know that? Um, what, where it gets weird is kind of the darkness of the human soul, where I give something to someone in the guise of it being a special, thoughtful gift but it's actually perhaps something I don't attach any value to, maybe even something I just want to get rid of, but I'm, well, I'm more than willing to accept the kudos of, of being a gift giver, you know? Oh, thank you so much, that's so kind, but I know that I'm kind of getting rid of this thing. I don't want it. There's not much thought being put into it. Like the label maker. Elaine gave her friend a label maker because she thought he would find it useful. It'd be a wonderful gift. She put her heart and soul into this for her friend. And then he gave it to Jerry in thanks for the Super Bowl tickets. I mean, what is a gift? Are there elements, whether it's a re-gift or a gift in and of itself? Uh, is what makes a good gift? Uh, and, and then can you apply that to the concept of re-gifting so that it, it continues to have this good sense of generosity? 
Well, I thought of some regifting rules. So if you're going to regift this year, think about these things, okay? There's four rules here. The first thing that it should have cost you something, there should be some sacrificial element to it. It's not you're benefiting by getting rid of it. You're actually giving something that is of worth. The second thing is the motive is to bless the recipient. You want them to enjoy this gift. You think they will enjoy this gift or be useful to them. And the third thing is something that they might need or want. So the motive is also, from their perspective, it's something that, that they would appreciate. And then the fourth thing is to be given with no expectation of getting something back. Remember C.S. Lewis wrote this thing about, uh, he, he called it, however you say Christmas backwards, he spelled it, and he wrote this story about this fantasy land called whatever that is, I can't do it, I should have written it down, Christmas backwards. And at the end, he says that he describes things like getting these pieces of paper through your front letterbox and all these things, describing Christmas gifts. And at the end, he says that after all this traipsing through the snow to get all the gifts and all, get all these cards and things, you come home and there's more stuff on your, on, inside your door, so you have to go back outside again. You know, we have the sense that if we get, get given something, we have got to give something back, right? A true gift should really be a gift without any idea of reciprocity. So you may ask, what has this got to do with the season of Advent and the birth of Jesus, which is the season that we are in as we move toward this day when we say that he is, he is born, Christ is born. Well, this may seem weird to you, but as I was considering this concept, they came to my realization that in a very profound sense, God is the ultimate re-gifter. God is the ultimate re-gifter. Let me explain. We can, we're going to talk next week. Melody's going to share a bit about this wonderful passage at the end of Ephesians. It says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. We can think of that. But the whole story of Christ is that Christ's sacrifice, his life and his death, his resurrection, was all a sacrifice and a gift to God the Father for his glory. It was a perfect act of worship. We have just been in Hebrews, in chapter 10, we read this. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. Then I said, here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, my God. Christ in his flesh, as one of us, sacrificed his whole life as a gift to the glory of God. In fact, the word gift in the New Testament, the Greek word is often translated offering or sacrifice. It has that connotation of something that is offered, that is given, and the greatest gift that was ever given was Christ's offering of himself to the Father. Not as my will be done, but your will, O Father, he said. Jesus offered himself as a perfect gift to redeem creation, and then God turns and he gives it to us in all of its fullness. It's the ultimate gift that is given to God for his glory and then God turns right around and pours it out on his people. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself, it is a gift of God. Let's think about the re-gifting rules. There's something sometimes about the fabric of what is good and what is true and what is right that we have, we've talked about how we discern them. There's something that God has placed in us that we know what is virtuous. And God demonstrates all those things so perfectly. Thinking about a gift that is given, it should cost you something. This gift cost God everything. He held nothing back. 
fully, fully gave of himself to us. The motive to bless the recipient for God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever believes will not perish but have eternal life. Something that they might need or want, we've talked about this a lot through the past year, that what God gives us is supremely suited to our deepest needs and our longings. And not just generally as human beings, yes, Christ's death, his resurrection is perfectly what we need, but I'm talking about it to the individual level, what you need right here, right now, today, this gift can provide for us. And then finally, given with no expectation of getting something back, that's the whole point. We could not give to God, yet he has poured out his love and grace upon us. That is the point. There's no expectation of repayment. Those days are gone of trying to satisfy the perfect righteousness of God through whatever means we seek to do. That those days are gone. We are welcome. We are graced. You see, just at the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Christ demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I'm gonna grab my water. I've had a bit of a week. I'm sure a lot of us have with this virus going around, right? So given that that is true, then this is also true. That everything we are <coughs> and everything that we have is a gift from God. Everything, everything. 1 Corinthians 4, 7, Paul was a bit concerned with the church in Corinth about they were getting a bit full of themselves, a bit prideful that they had these spiritual gifts and things were going well for them, but there was a rot that was setting in and a lot of it was to do with their sense of pride and their own accomplishments. And he said to them, what do you have that God hasn't given you? And if everything you have is from God, why boast as though it were not a gift? This is a challenging but wonderful truth to realize that every single thing I have, my own life, my breath, this community is a gift from God. You know, it's all very well to read it in the pages of the Bible, and sometimes we can assent and affirm truths that are doctrinal, theological, but it's hard sometimes to live that way, to think that I have nothing that I've not been given, because sometimes we feel like I have earned this, I have accomplished this, I have made this, built this. And I was thinking about how we might best realize this truth and it, made me, it led me to consider two moments in life that I realized are both out of my control. The first is my birth and the second is my death. In the light of those two moments, everything in between is of the same nature that I, there's nothing, my, I didn't choose where I was born, to whom I was born, where I was born, when I was born, the genetics that I have, everything that comes, from that, and, and, and also similarly with my death, I will move to a place where I have nothing left to support me. I was sick this week, as I said, as you can hear clearly. Um, it's really fun speaking right now, I tell you. Could we just, uh, I should have just, uh, just written this and handed it out. Go get some coffee, get a brownie, buy some brownies, read this. <clears throat> But I tell you, you know, when you're sick, you feel so powerless, don't you? Have you been sick recently? Some of you are, are, have some chronic stuff that's going on. It is, it, it, you realize then 
that there is nothing really that you control and that everything you have is a gift. You know, even materialists, people who don't believe in any God of any kind, they often say that you don't have free will because everything is pre-programmed by your genetics. Well, we go beyond that natural explanation. We say there's a God who is behind everything who made us. Um, And he is the sovereign Lord of our lives and everything that we have been given has been given by him. James said, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Everything good in our lives is a gift from God, and everything good that you long for can only come from God. So if everything, if it's true that that God has given us that which Christ has given to him, and everything that we have is from God, then the, the third truth is, The gifts of God are only fully experienced to the extent that they are shared. All of the gifts of God are only to be fully experienced to the extent that they are shared with your community. Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. What has happened in this translation, this movement from our earthly state of lostness and our invitation and um, our joining into the family of God is that we be invited into this amazing thing that we call the Trinity, the Godhead, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The Father gives the gift, the Son won the gift, and the Holy Spirit distributes every day this gift. We have a new way of being human. It is in this beautiful synergy with God, Father, Son, and Spirit, and we are to be his people who live from out of that generosity in a similar way, giving to one another, living this life in generosity. God is self-sufficient. God doesn't need things from us. He is perfect in and of himself. Acts 17, Peter said, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he's not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. But we have a desire to give to God, right? We have this longing to serve God, to, to thank God, to bless God. Well, here's what God tells us to do. If you want to give gifts to God, be generous to others. Like We love God through one another. If we want to give gifts to God, be generous to others. We are regifters. We are to be people who regift the good things that God has given us are to pass freely through us. As Jesus said to his disciples when he sent them out two by two with this power that he had given them, he said, heal the sick, preach the gospel. He said, freely you have received, freely give. Freely give. This could be many things that we do. There are lots of things in the New Testament about how what we have received from God, we then can share with other people. The first one is one that I have found to be such uh, an encouragement and a challenge 
I think uh, recently, I know in my own life, I've experienced an awful lot of loss, an awful lot of sadness. And, and, and one thing I know that has is, is connected me with a lot of others in this congregation and this community who are similarly, have been going through similar times. And a, and a, a, a passage in 2 Corinthians that really speaks to this about how I have received from God and then I can give to others is this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. Just your life, your experiences, your Walk with God, the ups and downs of human existence is a gift if we will seek to see it as God opens our eyes to see our lives laid out. Then we connect with our brothers and our sisters. There is a gift that can be given in empathy. Someone, I can't remember who said it, said the very first moment when you find friendship is someone who says, you as well, that connection that you are not alone it could be the gospel. It could be simply sharing what God has done for us. First Peter, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. I think it's really important that it starts with this, in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. That is the sense that who God is and what he has given you. This is the well from which you will draw your enthusiasm and your joy to share with others. That is our first priority in life is to be content in Christ. And from that comes all of these, this ability to share with others. We don't do this out of compulsion or some sort of religious drudgery or rule, law, right? We do it because we're grateful. We're grateful people. Christ has redeemed us. And from that place comes this generosity of presence and love and compassion for others. What does that look like? It can look like anything. The last thing I want to do is to have you go out and perform steps one, two, and three of being generous this week. You know, it doesn't work like that. This is your relationship with God is from where this comes. It could be anything. But the first thing to do is to go to God and, and have him assess where you're at. And, and, and James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. The first step is to seek the wisdom that you need to understand this concept. It could be anything what do the people around you long for that God is calling you to provide? It could be the gift of time. It could be the gift of forgiveness, the gift of mercy, the gift of unconditional love, the gift of truth-telling, the gift of silence, the gift of service, the gift of resources. You know, we could start at home you know, sometimes the people who we're supposed to love the most, we, we don't love them the most. It's where the most kind of trouble happens sometimes. 
You know, I think just as church is this practice ground for preparing ourselves for the coming kingdom of God, where we have to, you know, we have to practice patience because people are, try our patience, right? We have to practice forgiveness because in a community, there's always reasons to be upset with somebody or someone's done you some perceived wrong. And I think the home can often be very much like that. For example, your spouse, if you're married, if you have a spouse, how might you love God through them? And that can take many, many forms. You guys may have heard of the five love languages. You know that one? It's a really good place to start. My brother actually isn't very involved in church right now, but my sister had given him this book a long time ago, and now he's an evangelist for the five love languages. It's a really wonderful way of understanding how people understand and receive love. What is the gift of love if you give it to other people? What about your kids? You know, those of us who still have children in our home, what, what gift from your store of Christ's love and presence might you give to them? So many of our children just really need us to see them and express how precious they are, just as they are, without any effort, success, productivity, whatever it is they're doing right, that you simply, like God loves you unconditionally, you simply love them just as they are today. And we can move out from there and say, God, how can I re-gift what you've given me to my parents, to my coworkers, to my church? I think that's a better way to think about it than just, Grant, what work needs done around the church, right? I can give you lists of stuff to do. You come to me, come to Melody, in fact. <laughs> Seriously, because she's way more organized. I'll talk about, we'll have a talk about the idea behind the concept, the philosophy of it. And Melody will say, here's a list of six things need done. And that's true, things do need done. But the beauty of a relationship with God is he knows exactly who you are, where you are, and when you are, and what's around you. And I I 100% believe this. If you ask him, give me the wisdom to know how to give gifts from the store that you've given me, he will direct your paths and he will point your eyes to the person and the action. And that is the hard thing about preaching sometimes is, you know, people want practical, right? The practical is turn your eyes towards Jesus Believe what he has said, that when you knock, he will open the door. When you seek, you will find. When you ask, you will receive. And it looks beautiful. I think two things that this world most needs from the church, two things. One is hospitality, especially to the people who are forgotten, marginalized, otherwise not front and center, right? The second thing is generosity, generosity. Uh, and you know, to put flesh and blood on, blood, flesh and bones on this, I'm going to talk about a person who's very special to our family. And it's Rona's mom, Vicky. Because uh, Vicky Era, my mother-in-law, mother-in-laws, right? You know, she wasn't perfect. But she's a person that when I, when I want to think, I can think of this theoretically and say like, okay, in theory, this is this and this is this. But when I think about, and you may have someone in your mind who will come to mind as I talk about Vicky, who was a really good example of this. You know, when Vicky died back in beginning of March, right, this year, she had very little. But she had what she needed. She had a roof over her head. 
the food she needed. And God somehow through some really hard things in her life gave her this capacity to be a conduit for his grace and generosity to everyone around her. And it was remarkable to see. You know, Jesus said this, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. And when I think about this passage, I think about Vicky. Because Vicky was the recipient of much, a lot of things, a lot of resources would just come to Vicky. And I just, she would just pour out the other side. This beautiful movement of generosity. And it might just be time, it might be money, it might be all kinds of things, but Vicky was this conduit for the generosity of God. But I know the reason why she was that way is because she was so grateful for all that God had done for her especially because of the challenges of her life, the forgiveness and the grace and the mercy that she had received from God was a transformative power that she therefore wanted to share it with the world. And many of you are like that. Many of you are like that. And it's a blessing. It's what the world needs to see. You know, this week, uh, the Advent candles, we've got two of them lit. The first one was the Hope Candle or the sense of hope, hopefulness. I think all of us have that right now. In the state of the world right now, don't we have this deep abiding longing and desire for peace? That was the next week, the candle was the peace candle to say our hope for peace is placed in the child who would be born in Bethlehem. But yet when he was born, the world was still full of chaos. When he rose from the grave, the world was still full of chaos, and to this day, it's still full of chaos, but we are the people of peace. We love that, love that, light that candle. This week, we light the joy candle. Um, and on the banner over here, these are really important things. These banners have come out of the experience of this church community, what we have seen and we have heard. And this one from 1 John, it says, we share with you what we have seen and heard so that you also might have fellowship with us and with God in Christ, and together make our joy complete. This is the essence of joy. People who seek God, the one who's invited them into this wonderful, beautiful relationship, and then seek to be conduits for that grace and that love and that generosity to the people around them. This is a place of joy. So we light this candle Oh Lord, you tell us that your joy is our strength. Lord, we pray that you would so inhabit this community, open our eyes to the lives around us, open our eyes to the incredible love that you have shown us, uh, that we might have open hearts, open hands, and that we might experience your deep joy. Amen. We're going to receive communion shortly. And once again, this act of communion is a, is a perfect illustration and a perfect like, physical response to this concept uh, that Christ, on the night he was betrayed, offered gifts 
of hospitality and generosity to his disciples, to his friends. And we enact that again this morning by coming and taking this cup and taking this bread. Um, in it uh, is, is pictured all that God has done for us in his forgiveness, in his giving of himself completely for our redemption. But a gift has to be received, has to be taken. So I would, I would encourage us this morning to orient our hearts towards gratitude as we come. There's a reason why we hand you the elements and you don't take them. It's to show us that this is a gift that is given freely to you. This freedom, this forgiveness is a gift to you just as you are today. And a gift is to be received. So we'll take some time in your own time, come up and take a piece of bread and a cup and then just hold them and we will take them together shortly. You know, it's really such a great little object lesson. I gave my sister Linda the cup and the bread, and she gave me Hall's <laughs> relief. I tell you, sometimes the, just the moments that happen. Last time it was the little turtle when I had this illustration about turtles. I just love that, you know, I, my desire like for my life and all of our lives is that we could have a simple, joyful experience of life together where we celebrate just the tiny moments of joy and kindness and generosity that we, that we put those center stage, you know? I think sometimes in all the busyness, we just lose that, the beauty of a, just a single momentary conversation or a, like Nancy gave me the best hug I've had in a long time today because she knew I needed it. So, you know, we, Lord Jesus, we thank you that you did not hold anything back. And we are, we are weak, Lord. We are, we are often frightened and we, we struggle. Lord, thank you that you know all of that. You know that we, living in these, in this, these bodies that we live in and subject to so much that is difficult in our minds, our hearts. Thank you, Lord, that you um, are greater still, that we do not need to be afraid because you have accomplished everything to redeem us, to keep us. We are yours. So, Lord, we come just as we are. Um, we take this bread, we say, Lord, we receive it as the gift that it was given us. Not that we could do anything to earn it, but you loved us so much that you gave us your life, O oh Lord God. Thank you, Lord, for this nourishment, both physically and spiritually. Amen. And we take the cup, Lord, and we remember that you too suffered. Your act of worship, Lord Jesus, led you into places of suffering, 
Thank you that you did not shrink back, that you ran the race, you completed the course. And now that we can depend upon your total, complete forgiveness. And Lord, we pray that we would experience joy as we take this cup, recognizing that we are yours and that we are free. This is what freedom looks like. It's what it feels like, what it sounds like. Oh, Lord Jesus, we come just as we are. Thank you for your great love for us. Inhabit our lives that your love would pour out from us. We pray in Jesus' name.